Hello, one and all, and welcome to this other episode, or another episode, I guess, of the Logan Blackman Show. Very exciting, exciting show today, because as of right now, as of when I'm recording the show, we are a week away from the 2021 NFL Draft, and I couldn't be more excited. It's the best time of the year, really. And I know if you're an average sports fan, you don't really care about drafts that much for for people that are more so losers like myself we love this time of the year I love the NFL draft it's what I live for every single year getting amped up nothing takes me months or occupies my time as much as the NFL draft does it's insane I don't know how to control it or anything like that I I, just it's just reaction at this point but I love it every single second of the draft and I cannot wait draft starts April 29th and will go through to Saturday first round I believe starts at seven o'clock at night so make sure you set your timers for that and get going on that because it's going to be a fun one this is going to be a very very fun one for today's show I want to talk about a lot about the NFL draft obviously as we are a week away from the draft so you would expect me to talk a lot about the 2021 NFL draft so we're going to talk about that Again, I did, I'm just too, I'm, my brain's going about a thousand miles an hour right now. We're not even in the week of the draft yet. What is this show going to sound like on Wednesday? Like my brain's running a thousand miles an hour, but for this show in particular, we might run it back again on Wednesday just to double down on it, but what each team could do with their first pick. Go over every team in the first round, talk about some of the things they could possibly do or players they could target with that pick, or they should trade back or trade up in the draft. Now, this isn't, I shouldn't say what they should do, because I don't, the draft doesn't really matter about what I say. It's about what the team wants to do. So it's going over what everything, everything I've read up until this point and kind of morphing it all together to create this ultimate super draft thing where. We just talk about the draft. <laughs> That's really it. But we've got some other things to talk about as well. Some annoying things that come up in the draft. We'll talk about that towards the end of the show if I remember to do that. And some new uniforms have been dropped. They dropped them the other day. This is the Cincinnati Bengals new uniforms. They released these on April 19th. So three days ago, they announced these new uniforms. And I like them. I like them. Now, the orange ones look like direct clones of the Chicago Bears orange uniforms. They're eerily similar, but one thing I love more than anything with the Cincinnati Bengals new uniforms is the fact that that stupid white stripe that goes down their sides, like underneath their armpits and goes down their sides, that's not there anymore. That's beautiful. That's the worst part of their jerseys. These uniforms are a lot simpler. And to me, simpler is usually better. Now, there's some cases where I like some extravagance in uniforms, but there's cases where you can go a little too extreme. Just off the top of my head, the Atlanta Falcons gradient uniforms, I despise. The Seattle Seahawks neon green uniforms, I absolutely hate the Bengals uniforms before they changed to these ones. I didn't really like. I love the tiger stripes stuck. They got such a cool like layout they can choose from with the tiger stripes and all that stuff, like the helmets. I'm a, I'm a fan of the helmets. I really like the helmets because it's something different that you don't see in the NFL, but these are nice. These are very nice. They just 
tooled everything down a little bit. And I like them. I think my favorite uniform combination is their usually Sunday night or Monday night football game uniforms. The orange on black, the orange jerseys on the black pants. Now, I've been a very, I've been very vocal about this on the show, that I'm not a huge fan of orange, but here it works. And I really like the black on white uniform that the Cincinnati Bengals have. And Joe Burrow rocking the all-white uniform. And I saw a meme earlier today or the other day. It was <laughs> the white uniforms now show how many times Joe Burrow gets hit throughout his time with the Bengals. It's just perfectly just covered in grass stains. Covered in grass stains. And I'm not sure Paul Brown Stadium is a grass field or a turf field. But Joe Burrow is going to be dirty because that's just how the Cincinnati Bengals are. Now, that we'll talk about the Cincinnati Bengals and what they could do with their first pick in the NFL draft coming up very, very soon. But I have been to Paul Brown Stadium, and I really like Paul Brown Stadium. It's not anything ex- exciting to look at, but I enjoyed Paul Brown Stadium quite a bit. Been there once, Bills-Bengals game. The Bills ended up victorious in the game. It was one of the worst kicker displays I've ever seen. It was Mike Nugent versus Dan Carpenter, I believe. It was awful, I think. Now, this could be wrong, but I think I remember hearing this when we were at the game. It was the worst day for kickers, like around the league, not just in that game, in NFL history. I think this was also the first year of the moved back extra point. I can't remember exactly. Uh, You might have to fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure that Bengals-Bills game was around that time zone of this is where we're starting to move the kickers back. Now, I think most kickers have adjusted nicely to it. Some better than others, but you know what? I've liked it overall. But all in all, about the Cincinnati Bengals new look, I give it two thumbs up. I like it. I really I really like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. They Now we got some other new uniforms that they pose the exact same like the New York Jets new uniforms when they dropped those bad boys two years ago. I hate those uniforms. Now they went simpler, but I hated their reasoning behind everything that they did, like the stripe had some sort of meaning. I didn't like it. I don't like the Jets uniforms whatsoever. We talked about this when the Jets first announced these uniforms, and we talked about it again last summer, about you don't, you should change your uniform to go back to a more successful period in your franchise's history. Okay? Like, look at the Rams, the LA Rams. The second they even toyed with going back to the royal blue and yellow uniforms, they go to a Super Bowl. They wore those in the Super Bowl. The last time the Rams won the Super Bowl, and the only time they won a Super Bowl, was wearing those uniforms with Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Marshall Falk, Orlando Pace, the greatest show on turf. You go back to those uniforms. You don't leave bad uniforms to go back to the original ones and then go back to the bad uniforms. That's exactly what the New York Jets did. They won their Super Bowl, with those white helmets that you saw them wear for all the 2000s until two years ago. Chad Pennington, Vinny Testaverde, Curtis Martin. I, don't, I blanked on Curtis Martin. I was thinking of Marshall Falk. They wore the same number, so I apologize for that. But you saw those uniforms. Then they go back to what we like to call here at the Logan Blackman Show, the lost decade for the New York Jets. One of the worst decades of football ever. Similar to the Bungles. This in the 70s Buccaneers. Like, this was a terrible, terrible era for New York Jets football. And they went back to those uniforms. This was the Neil O'Donnell New York Jets. The Frank Reich New York Jets. I love Frank Reich. 
Not as a quarterback, not as the starting quarterback. But man, it's the Richie Kotite Jets. And we went back to that. And then now they pick with the second overall pick. And to hopefully, for Jets fans' sake, the new era of the New York Jets comes on in and can replace the old funk left by the disgusting uniforms and the black ones. I'm not a fan of black on green or green on black. It's just a personal preference of mine. And this one, I don't like at all. And I think it's funnier, looking at this picture, I don't think any of the players there took this picture on the team anymore. Sam Darnold's not there. Jamal Adams' not there. Leonard Williams isn't there. Robbie Anderson isn't there. And I apologize for my two compatriots to Sam Darnold's left. I don't know who you are. I'm sorry. (laughs) I think one of them's Jamison Crowder. No, it's not. Jamison Crowder wouldn't have played back then. I don't know. I don't know who these are. One of them's their tight end, I think. I can't remember. But you know what? Darnold, Adams, Williams, Robbie Anderson, all gone. Two to the Panthers, one to the Seahawks, and one to the New York Giants. And then we've got the Jacksonville Jaguars uniforms. I love that they went back to these because they had some disgusting uniforms as well. The gradient helmet going from black to gold. Miserable. It wasn't even really gradient. It was just like, here's two colors. Boom. Slap them together on a football helmet. Awful. Hated those uniforms with a burning passion. And I saw those uniforms live. And they looked even worse live than in person than on TV. They're miserable. I saw them play the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen's rookie year in 2018. It was Jalen Ramsey versus Josh Allen. Josh Allen's first game back since being hurt against the Houston Texans. And the Bills went off. It was a very fun game. It's the most fun I've ever had at a football game, ever. I've never once heard... Now, I think this is just because there was a lot of hatred towards one specific player on the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they go by the name of Jalen Ramsey. I've never heard 65,000 to 70,000 fans chanting, one person sucks before. Ramsey sucks. Ramsey sucks. And then the Bills ended up winning. We all saw a fight in that game. Shaq Lawson and Leonard Fournette got, um, I almost said executed. They got (laughs) um, kicked out of the game. For fighting. Leonard Fournette wasn't even on the field. He sprinted from the Jaguars sideline all the way to the opposite corner and went over to punch up some Bills players. And then they both got ejected, and the Bills only have one tunnel, which is where we were sitting, and they decided to lead them to the tunnel at the exact same time. That was pretty entertaining. Like we didn't even know there was a play going on. The Bills had a nice goal line stand, but no one realized it because we're watching Shaq Lawson and Leonard Fournette get ejected. <laughs> Not executed, ejected, and led towards the tunnel. Leonard Fournette got a beer can chucked at his head. Josh Allen stiff-armed a linebacker and a rushing touchdown. Uh, it should have been on our end, and then the quarter ended, and then it uh, just went to crap after that. But yeah, I like the Jaguars' black ones. I'm not a fan of, of Teal. I know Jaguars fans are a fan of Teal. And similarly to that <laughs> New York Jets one, none of the players on the Jaguars' ones are on here. I know who all these players are because none of them are wearing helmets. you got A.J. Bouye, you've got Yannick Ngakwe, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Fournette, and Clayus Campbell. None of them are on the team anymore. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. Oh, man. New uniforms can be fun. They can be bad. They can be very bad. You saw last offseason we had pretty, it felt like the most uniform changes in NFL history in regards to one offseason. Cleveland Browns, like I just said, They went back to the jerseys that got them all the success. They went back to the Otto Graham, Jim Brown era Browns uniforms. The Buccaneers, they go to Super Bowl. They went back to the uniforms they wore when they won the Super Bowl in the early 2000s with Brad Johnson and Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks. 
they wore those uniforms again. Those disgusting ones with 18 different colors on the jersey? No. They went back to the jerseys that they won with. Browns, is it any coincidence they ended their playoff drought, win drought, this season when they went back to the good uniforms? Falcons. Terrible. All you had to do was go back to the Dirty Bird Falcon uniforms. Deion Sanders Falcons uniforms. The Chris Chandler Falcons uniforms. No. Murky Michael Vick Falcons uniforms. Not gradient. And then to make matters worse, you threw it on a person named Grady Jarrett. Like, you did that on purpose. That was intentional, and that made me even more mad than when I already was when I saw the gradient uniforms. Now, some gradient looks good. The Miami Heat's jerseys this year, their pink and purple or pink and blue uniforms, those are nice. That works. Not whatever the foul. I don't I just wasn't a fan. Chargers blew up the world again with some amazing uniforms as per usual, rocking back to the powder blue uniforms, which I'm so happy. They brought those back. The Rams switched up back to the yellow and gold, but had a really weird logo design and a really weird helmet that looked like two bananas, as Eric Dickerson once called it. Crazy. Is there any other uniforms that changed over this past offseason that I can't remember? I don't, I don't remember. I think that might have been it. There might have been some other ones in there, but I can't remember. But the Broncos, they need to change their uniforms. Those are straight out of the 90s. They need to get rid of those bad boys and move into some nicer uniforms. Who else needs a uni- a nice little uniform change? Miami Dolphins need to go back to their retro uniforms. Those things are sick, and that's that's a great jersey. They need to go back to those. Those are beautiful, beautiful jerseys. The Eagles need to go back to their Kelly Green stuff with Randall Cunningham. They need- Reggie White need to go back to those uniforms. Oh my goodness. There's some great uniforms in the old NFL days, and we need to go back to them. I don't know how I feel about the Titans one. I was so used to them with the white helmets that's been ingrained in their history, even dating back to the Oilers. The navy blue helmets, I'm impartial to, I guess. But yeah, they need to go back to those. The, those, like, oh man, the Broncos need to change their uniforms. The Eagles need to go back to the Kelly Green. And the Falcons just need to keep the Dirty Bird uniforms as their number one go-to uniform. Forget all the other ones. The weird numbers that you have on the jerseys. The gradient jerseys. I don't think they wore. I could be wrong. I don't know if they Did they wear them against the Cowboys? I feel like that was a game they might have worn them. But, man. Terrible. Terrible stuff. But the Bengals, I'll give you a thumbs up on the uniforms. I like them. And the orange ones, the orange and white ones, they do look like a direct carbon copy of the Chicago Bears. But you know what? They're not bad. They're not bad. Thumbs up for the Cincinnati Bengals. Creativity, not so much. We talked about the Philadelphia Eagles going into this season, and there's some been some interesting talking points, I guess you could raise, about the Philadelphia Eagles for this upcoming season, both are surrounding new head coach Nick Sirianni. The first one that came, well, I'll talk about the second one, actually, because I think the second one came, I... I'm not sure, the, I can't remember the exact order, but I think this is how it worked. Nick Sirianni was challenging draftees to rock, paper, scissors to judge their competitiveness. So, A-plus for that. And then also, in a recent press conference, he doesn't name Jalen Hurts their starting quarterback and says it will be an open competition. So, does this mean the Eagles are actually targeting a quarterback in the second and third round? Do we see a Kellen Mond Coming to the fray here for the Philadelphia Eagles, maybe. I could see that. Bigger version of Jalen Hurts. Pretty much stronger arm. Better, if you're looking for a more prototypical 
quarterback. Kellen Mond would fit that more than Jalen Hurts. And then you got Joe Flacco there. Is he meaning there's a quarterback battle brewing between Joe Flacco and <laughs> Jalen Hurts? I mean, the Eagles do have the most draft picks this year. They have 11 draft picks as of right now. They could, Those could change as we go throughout the draft because teams are obviously going to trade up. The Eagles could be trading up. They could be trading down. They could gain more picks. They could lose more picks. We don't know. But I'm intrigued. Why would you not name Jalen Hurts the starter? And Jalen Hurts is a player that I really like and really admire because I like his mindset. He's a very strong-willed person. One of the one of my favorite things, and this just is a constant with that quarterback room at Alabama, with Jalen Hurts, Tua, and Mac Jones. Jalen Hurts was going to transfer. Everybody knew that. Instead of redshirting, like a lot of people would, like, oh, I'm not playing for this team again. Like Kelly Bryant, after Trevor Lawrence beat him out for the starting job, Kelly Bryant basically left the team. He didn't tell him where he was going. He just left. Jalen Hurts was like, no, I'm going to transfer. We all know this. But I'd rather stay a backup to Tua and lose the year. So I can work with all the starters because the players I'm going to be playing with at wherever I go next, they won't be... My players that I'm going to be throwing to will be better. <laughs> like You look at all the players they had on the Alabama team. It's insane. You know, a lot of weapons. And then Jalen Hurts was a big factor for Alabama in that season. Made some very big plays. For the Crimson Tide, even though he was technically the backup quarterback. Jalen Hurts got a really nice mindset that could work very well in the NFL. If he can gain some consistency, I think that'd be very nice, but that could also be said for the Philadelphia Eagles. Their offense has been anything less than consistent over the past few seasons in regards to the wide receiver core, the offensive line, and even the running back, running game for a certain extent. With Miles Sanders, I think he was hurt at some points last year. He's a good running back, but he needs to stay healthy. So if Jalen Rager can stay healthy, that might be a nice, fruitful relationship between those two. If J.J. Ortega-Whiteside can have some hands, maybe that will work out a little bit for them. We're still trying to figure out what they're doing with Zach Ertz. I know a lot of Bills fans on social media have been trying and lobbying to get the Bills to trade that 30th pick for Zach Ertz like they did last year was Stephon Diggs. It would obviously cost a lot less to get Zach Ertz than Stephon Diggs because Ertz has even contemplated retiring. At the end of the season, he was crying in his press conference. It was like, is he going to actually retire? We don't know. Costs a lot less than Stephon Diggs, though. But I, I that was weird. He obviously knows something we don't because obviously he's in the room. Maybe this is just a new coach trying to uh, put on some sort of make sure Jalen knows that he's the boss and he's uh, he's not guaranteed anything even though that he was the starting quarterback towards the latter part of last season. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in Philly. I think that's probably what we're going what's going on here. I'm the head coach, I'm the new head coach. You're not guaranteed anything. It's like Hugh Jackson doing that stupid earn your stripes thing for the Browns with Baker Mayfield's rookie year. Like why? Unless you're draft, the Eagles might very well draft a quarterback. I've seen a few mock drafts having them draft Mac Jones, which I don't think it's going to do because I don't know if he'll fall very far to the top ten, as will most of the quarterbacks in this draft, the top five quarterbacks in this draft. I don't think a single one of them, at least right now, falls outside the top ten. We could come close to that point, but I don't think any of them are really falling. I would even say they fall past eleven because I think if they're going to draft a quarterback, I'm not saying the Giants would do that, but if a team needs a quarterback. Trade up to 11. 
And the Eagles could probably trade back as well. There's any team is pretty much open to a trade except for those top three. And then the rest of them, I think, are fair game for trades. Those top three are locked in. The Jaguars, Jets, and 49ers. They're all locked in at their spot. Everyone else, fair game. So I have heard rumors circling around the NFL that Davis Mills, former Stanford quarterback, will be that sixth quarterback taken in the 2021 NFL draft. He's only played 11 games at Stanford, but he's got a lot of talent. He's very confident in himself. Will he be that last quarterback taken? He's very athletic. Ran a, what, a 4 5 8 40 in his pro day? Certainly surprised a lot of people. I think they like that the fact. This is a common trend with drafts. Sometimes coaches like these raw players. And they can use this year, the year they're drafted in, as a sort of molding year, a maturing period for these young players. Like, you're probably going to see that with Trey Lance wherever he goes. You're going to see that with Davis Mills as he's only played 11 games in the NFL. So it's it's weird. It's a very I don't know if there'll be six quarterbacks taken in the first round, but that has been talked about. Davis Mills has been talked about going in the first round. I've heard the Saints like him. I think the Buccaneers like him. Those are the main teams I've seen there. And also, there's some talk of a team trading up <coughs> from the second round to go into the first round to draft either a Davis Mills or even a Kyle Trask. I haven't heard a lot of Kellen Mond getting drafted in the first round. I think it'd be a very nice day two option for a lot of teams. But if the Eagles do go with that trade to send Zach Ertz to Buffalo and take the 30th pick, we're just speaking in hypotheticals here, would you rule it out that they draft a quarterback at 30? Logic says you do. But over the past few seasons, I don't know if the Eagles really have used a lot of logic. Since their Super Bowl, I don't really know if they use that thing called logic very often. As they drafted Jalen Rager one spot before Justin Jefferson and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, what, seven picks before D.K. Metcalf? So logic's not really something the Eagles use quite a look at last year. They were playing, who were they playing? The Washington football team. They benched Jalen Hurts, bring in Nate Sudfeld. So it's that could just be a coaching thing. I think Doug Peterson was tr- more or less trying to prove a point than actually make a decision there. I think he was just pissed off at the organization as a whole, which a lot of people in Philadelphia, not just the head coach even, are pissed off at the organization. And I'm just ready to see who the Eagles boo this year's draft. And I think it's going to be somebody that might surprise a lot of people. It might not even be that bad of it. It might be considered a reach. But we will talk about that in a little bit. In the NFL Draft, again, coming up next week, the logo is the exact same as it has been since pretty much 2004. It hasn't changed in a very, very long time. If you look at this, this was a a tweet out by Fox Sports, Fox NFL, or NFL and Fox or whatever, NFL Draft logos over the years. They're so cool in the 90s. And then... They crap out at 2004. They're done being cool. And now they're just the same thing over and over and over again. Like they're very tied in to the location where the draft is being held. And I like that. It's very 90s. But now in the 2000s and 2010s, we're sleek and simple. Which can be a good thing. But I'd like some sort of change with this draft logo Every couple years, at least. That'd be pretty nice, right? 
be be kind of nice. At least you would hope so. Maybe the NFL is just too afraid to mess it up, so they're just not going to do it in general. They're just like, ah, we're not going to mess with it because people are going to hate us regardless of what we do. So we're just not going to mess with it. We're going to keep it the exact same and just avoid the constant beratement we're going to be getting from the fans if we were to change this and turn it into something absolutely horrific that's even worse than the carbon cop we've been using since 2004. Even though it's different. It's technically different. But it's not at the same time. It's pretty much the exact same thing. So without further ado, before we get way too off topic, let's just go right in to team, what teams could do. Is that the segment we're going to call it? What teams could do. Going through the all 32 picks, what they could do here, look at the positions they could look at with this pick. We're not going to talk too much about teams that we know what they're going to do. Like the top three picks are going to be quarterbacks. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and then the 49ers. But they're taking a quarterback. And from everything I've read, though there's links with Justin Fields, what's that weird story about him having epilepsy? I I didn't know about that, and that just randomly popped out. Again, stuff, always good stuff pops out the week of the NFL draft. But it's going to be, from what it sounds like, Mac Jones or Trey Lance. Sounds like Kyle Shanahan was very hands-on at Trey Lance's pro day. They really like Trey Lance. And Trey Lance, from what I've read, is really impressing coaches with the interviews. Not not even on the field stuff. The, the interviews, he's doing very, very well in, apparently, which is Good job for Trey. I think he fit in very nicely with the 49ers. And this would go into their, jeez, this would go into their thing of we're not trading Jimmy Garoppolo. That's where this is all going for. We're not trading Jimmy Garoppolo. So if they draft Trey Lance, they're not trading him. That's a guarantee. They're not trading Jimmy Garoppolo. If they draft Mac Jones, I think there's a better chance they trade him than not. Because from what I've seen and what I've read, Mac Jones, even though he's played the same number of games as Trey Lance, they feel is more ready to play because of the competition he played, and he's played a lot more recently than Trey Lance and played very, very well. For basing off their 2020 seasons, it's unfair to do Trey Lance because he's only played one game, but you'd think that Mac Jones would be more ready, even though they played the same number of games. He's also very accurate. I've heard Trey Lance has some accuracy issues that concern some coaches or some coaches some scouts but he's a really good character he's got a really good character which is what a lot of teams like in him so for the 49ers it's between Mac Jones and Trey Lance now this could all just be two giant smoke screens and they're drafting Justin Fields which is very possible because it's the NFL draft but everything I've read points into those two and it looks like it's going to be Mac Jones right wrong or otherwise whether you feel good about it or not I think it'll be Mac Jones at this point in time. That could change by the time, by the day of the draft. Anything could change. Then the, uh, the Falcons at four, they're going to take Kyle Pitts or they're going to take Trey Lance. From everything I've seen, Terry Fontenot, the GM, wants to take Trey Lance. Arthur Smith, the head coach, wants to take Kyle Pitts. You know who usually wins those battles? The GM. And... They're thinking, they have two completely different mindsets at this point in time. Jerry Fontenot's thinking like a GM. We got to build for the future. We want a succession plan for Matt Ryan. He's been very vocal this offseason about stacking quarterbacks. Something he's been, again, very vocal on. Arthur Smith's in the company of, we want to win now. 
If you draft Trey Lance, that's not a pick of winning now. But then Terry Fontenot could counteract that by going, when are we going to have an opportunity to draft a quarterback again at four? If we think we can win now, Kyle Pitts is a great player. Would add a lot of firepower to every single offense in this draft. It would be a great fit for the Falcons. But man, we have Julio, we have Calvin Ridley. Adding one more would be awesome. And I would not be shocked at all if the Falcons ended up drafting Kyle Pitts. But it's a battle between those two. Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith battling it out for Trey Lance and Kyle Pitts. Now, if if Trey Lance is the pick at, four, at three, then that kind of narrows it down that they are going to take Kyle Pitts. But I think it's just between Kyle Pitts and Trey Lance. I don't think Justin Fields is involved in that. I don't think that Mac Jones is involved in that. If Trey Lance goes three, it'll be Kyle Pitts four. And I don't think the Falcons... I, I know there's a lot of rumors and stuff that the Falcons would try to trade out of the pick or would be open trading out of the pick and stuff like that. But I'm not really sure about that because... These are two players that are amazing, amazing players. Trey Lance, obviously more raw and will need time, but that's why Matt Ryan's there. Kyle Pitts is one of the best draft prospects we have seen in a very, very long time. And that that's going to be hard to pass on. They got some tough decisions coming up in Atlanta. Who will win, though? Terry Fontenot or Arthur Smith? Again, usually it's the GM. GM's trying to build for the future. Arthur Smith's trying to win now. They're both doing their jobs. Neither one of them is wrong in this situation. They're both doing their jobs. Arthur Smith's got to win. Terry Fontenot's got to build the team. And whoever wins will be the draft pick. Trey Lance or Kyle Pitts for the Atlanta Falcons of four. For the fifth pick for the newly newly rejuvenated Cincinnati Bengals with their new uniforms, it's down to two things. Panay Sewell... Jamar Chase. Now, there's very good arguments that can be made for both parties. You can make a very, very solid argument for both. On one hand, with Panay Sewell, you get Joe Burrow some protection, which is what he needs. He just tore his ACL. So, logically, you could go, oh, well, he's going to draft them. The other hand, you've just lost A.J. Green. As much as I like Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, you're going to want a true alpha number one guy that can play on the outside or the slot because Tyler Boyd, more suited to the slot position. Teagan's obviously a more outside guy. Longer, skinnier type receiver, so he's more of an outsider. But it's going to be tough for the Cincinnati Bengals. They're going to have a lot of thoughts about this. Kyle Pitts could get thrown into the mix, but I really think it's between Sewell and Chase. And again, if you feel one way or the other, good for you. I don't think you can say one is better than the other because they're both needs on the Bengals. It's not something that they would just be adding. Like the, Again, we brought this up, I think, the last show we did, or a couple, not the last show we did, but a couple shows ago, where the Detroit Lions used three drafts in a row. First three picks in their three drafts in a row drafted wide receivers. That's all they did. Three drafts in a row. The Bengals, yes, they drafted a wide receiver last year, but they just lost a very good wide receiver in A.J. Green. When healthy, A.J. Green's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And we talked about this, about how I think it's unfair to him that he's been injured so much because he got drafted before Julio. I think people still understand how great of a player A.J. Green is and was and still is. But I, I don't know if the gap would be as wide between him and Julio as, we, as history will view it if he were to stay healthy. And he had 
Andy Dalton as a starting quarterback. <laughs> so I think the, the quarterback situation is a little lesser down in Cincinnati than it is in Atlanta. But man, Chase or Sewell, can't really go wrong for the Bengals. Six, the Dolphins, Chase or Kyle Pitts or Jalen Waddle. Depends on who's available. So let's use this scenario. I guess they could draft Sewell as well. But in this scenario, let's say the Falcons draft Pitts, Bengals draft Jamar Chase. Dolphins sit there at six. I think they obviously I think they'd actually really like to draft Jalen Waddle. I think that's an option that is very realistic for them. They'd have arguably the fastest receiving core in the NFL next to the Kansas City Chiefs. Will Fuller adding to Jalen Waddle. Oh, that's some speed. And obviously the familiarity there between uh, Jalen Waddle and Tua Tagovailoa. Great stuff there. Get Tua weapons he's familiar with. Hopefully get the best out of him. But again, if Jamar Chase is available, you're obviously not taking Jalen Waddle for Jamar Chase. But if Chase is gone and Kyle Pitts is gone, you take Jalen Waddle. I can see arguments for Panay Sewell, gets him off to alignment. They did draft Robert Hunt last year in the second round to play right tackle. He, Him and Austin Jackson were both iffy last season. And with Tua being left-handed, Robert Hunt was Tua's blindside blocker. So if you want to get a more natural blindside blocker and certainly an upgrade, I would say, you draft Panay Sewell. If you really want to do that, makes a lot of sense. But I would probably rank the Dolphins as... The weapons first, and then the offensive line second. Whether it be Chase, Waddle, or Pitts, then the offensive lineman comes second in that list. The Lions, everything here. I think they're going to trade back. I think that's the the obvious thing the Lions are going to do. They have a lot of needs on their roster. They have a new GM that would probably like to work with a lot of draft picks. Trading back would be a very logical spot for the Lions. Who could trade back with a quarterback-needy team? You could look at the Patriots. You could look at the Broncos, the Bears. Watch the football team or possibilities as well. Got a lot of options here to trade back with. And, yeah, you draft either a linebacker or a defensive playmaker as you had one of the worst defenses last year in a very long time. One of the worst defenses, not just last year, NFL history, horrible defense, horrific defense. You were bleeding yards. And then offensively, you could obviously get some weapons there. So in a scenario where the Falcons draft a quarterback, Bengals draft a offensive lineman like Panay Sewell, Dolphins draft Kyle Pitts, seventh, you take Jamar Chase and don't look back. If that scenario falls in your hands, you take Chase. Unless it's Jamar Chase, you trade back. In my opinion, that's what I would do if I were the Detroit Lions. Panthers, offensive line or corner. I think offensive line is going to be the most pressing need for the Carolina Panthers. If they stay here at eight, Rashawn Slater would be available here and be very hard to pass up on him. But if a team gives you an offer that is trying to trade up for a quarterback, and I've seen links with them trading up for a quarterback, I just don't think that will happen. Getting more picks, I think, would make a lot of sense for the Panthers, who could have either needs on both sides of the ball. Their defense is very young. Reminder, last year, they only drafted defense. That's all they did all seven rounds was defensive players. Now they got Sam Darnold. They got weapons outside. They got Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. They're just going to need to improve their off the line a little bit. And then they might actually be a, a sneaky threat to the AFC, NFC South this year. Sneaky, very sneaky, but a threat nonetheless. Slater would be an option, and I think the other two options are Patrick Sertan or J.C. Horn. Now, you could probably get Horn if you traded back with a uh, quarterback-needy team. I think that's a very logical shout there for the Carolina Panthers. Or, other shout, you could draft Micah Parsons, 
the linebacker and eventually, or not eventually because he's retired, but replace Luke Keekley. That could be an option, but I don't, I don't think that's going to be their options. I think it's going to be tight or tackle or corner. I would say Kyle Pitts in there, but I just don't see a world where he's available by the eighth pick. I just cannot see that world right at this point in time. Can't see that happening. So, but they get the only other scenario where that works is if the Lions trade back with a quarterback needy team. And then Kyle Pitts is there at eight. You already got Trey Lance going four, Sewell going five, Chase going six, Lions trade back with quarterback needy team, and then Pitts is there at eight. That's the only scenario where that works out. Other than that, I don't see him falling past six. He's either going, in my opinion, to the Falcons or the Dolphins, unless like the Cowboys trade up and Jerry Jones is truly infatuated with Kyle Pitts, then the trade up would happen. But I just think it's either the Dolphins or Falcons at this point. But the Panthers... If they stay put, they're drafting Rashawn Slater. If they trade back, I would guess they target probably J.C. Horn, the quarterback from South Carolina. Broncos, a lot of things. But actually, I shouldn't say a lot of things. I think that's just a de facto response for me. I think the Broncos could do are going to do two things. I think they're going to draft a quarterback or they're going to draft a linebacker. They could also draft the offensive lineman like I had two drafts ago where I had Rashawn Slater going there to replace Jawan James, the right tackle for the Broncos, who's battled a lot of injuries in his time since, even since Miami. But, man, the Broncos are a team that have a very good roster, or a emerging roster that just needs to stay healthy and have some sort of consistency on it. Like, you've got weapons. You drafted Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler last year. Lloyd Cushenberry is there on the offensive line, who drafted last year as well. Melvin Gordon's there at running back. Noah Fant at tight end. Cortland Sutton's still there. Garrett Bowles proved why he was a first-round pick last year and actually played very, very well last year. Do they replace Drew Locke? You got a new GM in there, and he's been to all the quarterback camps. He's been all the pro days for the quarterbacks. The Falcons, Niners, Patriots, and Broncos have been common factors or consistent themes or whatever you want to call it at these pro days. So the Broncos, I would not rule out at all them drafting a quarterback. But if they don't do that, I think Micah Parsons would be perfect for Vic Fangio's defense. Again, like we've talked about numerous times, giving them a Roquan Smith-esque player in the middle of their defense, that is improved. Even on their defense, they've always had. The defense for the Broncos in the 2010s has always been very good. Got Von Miller coming back, back, Bradley Chubbs there. You've got Kyle Fuller this offseason, re- reunion between him and Fick Fangio. You've got Ronald Darby. Justin Simmons is still there. Linebacker could be a hole there that you fill with Micah Parsons. And you got a scary defense. But quarterback, I think, is an option there as well. Cowboys, unless they trade for Kyle Pitts, I think they're drafting a defensive back. I think they're drafting Patrick Sertan. They need help on defense. They bleed points. They bleed yards. Their offense can score at will. They just need to figure out how to stop teams. The Cowboys could actually be a very good team. They just can't stop anybody. You got Trayvon Diggs in the draft last year. Before he got hurt, was playing very, very well. Now you get Sertan, an Alabama teammate, to partner him, and you're looking very, very good for the Cowboys coming, at least improved on what you have been in recent years. Giants at 11. This one's been talked about a lot. They're going to do a lot of things here from what the media says. Wide receiver edge rusher, linebacker, corner, offensive line. Those are your options right now for the New York Giants. I'm leaning more towards wide receiver because I still think, looking at their roster, though they got Kenny Galladay, 
I think they can upgrade on Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. I think Devontae Smith's really a guy that they like if the rumors are true and Dave Gettleman is infatuated with Devontae Smith. Take him. Take him at 11. And then he got a very nice one-two punch with Kenny Galladay and Devontae Smith out wide. And then you have Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard run the slots. Hopefully Saquon Barkley stays healthy. Hopefully Evan Greengram can rediscover his hands. And then you got Daniel Jones, who hopefully can stop turning the ball over. And then you got a very solid offense right there. Daniel Jones just needs to cut down on the turnovers because he's got the skills to be an NFL quarterback. He just can't stop turning it over, whether it be fumbling or interceptions. He's got an issue in both areas, which a quarterback might have an issue in one of those, rarely both. And that's what Daniel Jones has at this point. He's very mobile. Now, unless he trips over his own feet, he's very mobile. And I think he would do very well with the offense that improved the weapons like that. Because remember earlier this offseason, Dave Gettleman vowed to get Daniel Jones weapons. So that's what I think they should do here. So in order of their needs, because again, we listed some very big needs there for the Giants. I think it goes wide receiver. I think they might go off to the line because Dave Gettleman's love for hog mollies. Drafting Rashawn Slater, potentially, or Elijah Vera Tucker, potentially, to replace Kevin Zeitler, who they cut this offseason, who went to the Baltimore Ravens. Then, probably say edge rusher, but I don't, I don't know. I don't want to rank these positions because I don't want to look like an idiot when they draft Micah Parsons, because I think that's a very logical pick here by the Giants. Now, if they trade back, I think that means they're more likely to draft a linebacker. If they stay at 11, I think the other three positions are much more in play, but you never know. You could draft Micah Parsons. He's just got, where ports are, he's got some character issues that could scare some teams off. The Eagles, man, from what reports say, and we talked about this in the show, we talked about this during Mock Draft Minute, so if you haven't watched that, go ahead and watch that. I think it's a funny episode. They are not in love with the skill positions in this draft. And for the Eagles, who have somewhat of a need on the defensive line with Fletcher Cox going 30, 30 on 31 years old, owed a lot of money, was linked with trades away last offseason, is probably going to be linked with trades again. Christian Barmore makes a ton of sense for the Eagles, and though it might be seen as a reach, this is a very weak defensive line class, which could see Barmore's stock go even higher than what we'd probably assume it would be. The, for how bad this defensive line class is, Barmore could is the top guy, un, pretty much unquestioned at this point. And that will make him rise up draft boards. And I've already said Matt Miller's tweet talking about how he's very impre- he's impressed teams. Teams are really liking him in the scouting process. And then Jim Nagy, the, vi- or the president of the Senior Bowl, said Christian Barmore has invited, been invited to the NF- by the NFL to the draft in Cleveland. Another player of the league is higher on than media. Some teams we've spoken to feel Barmore has top 15 talent, and it's scary. It's a scary, thin D-line class. And then Pro Football Focus, a couple weeks ago, most QB pressures by draft-eligible D-tackles. Christian Barmore, 39, was the most in college football. So Barmore makes a lot of sense. I think Vera Tucker or Rashawn Slater make a lot of sense here as well. Apparently, they're going to build through the through the trenches. So I'm anticip- I'm ready. I'm ready and waiting for Eagles fans to blow up social media because they're so mad that they went with him instead of pat and passed on some very talented skill position players. Barmore's also Philadelphia negative. 
So I think that'd be a very nice homecoming there for him. But I think Barmore might be a shout here in Philly. I think this is a very big shout here. Again, you won't. I haven't heard about it in the media, but I have seen it a lot. Talked about some very high-end people or in-tight people talking about Barmore stock being on the rise. So look out for that. Chargers at 13. It's off to Lyman or corner. Depending on if Jalen Wild's available, then I think they might draft him. But corner off to Lyman's the target here. Sean Slater, Christian Derrissaw, and they trade up, which is what we had in the last mock draft, trading up to draft Panay Sewell from Oregon. Uh, the left tackle for Justin Herbert while at Oregon. Makes a lot of sense to get that pairing back together. Rashawn Slater's there. You've got Christian Darrisaw. You could draft Elijah Javier Tucker and sl- 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 geez, slot him back at tackle, which he played at USC. Even though people are saying he'd be more accustomed to guard at the next level, you could easily slot him back out to tackle because he's done that before. And then for corner, I think it's J.C. Horn. They just cut Casey Hayward. Brandon Staley just came from the Los Angeles Rams where they had Jalen Ramsey. They might be looking at a corner here, and J.C. Horn would fill that void of Casey Hayward and help reestablish their defense. If their defense can stay healthy, they've got a talented defense, and that's their issue. Getting a guy like Horn is a very real option here. I've heard defensive end or edge rusher here too because Melvin Ingram I think is still a free agent. So time will tell on that, but I think it's more – Offensive line, corner, and then sparingly edge rusher and wide receiver, just based off what I've read. Vikings, it's off to tackle or edge rusher. They're addressing the edge on this draft. I don't know which one it will be first, edge rusher or off to tackle. Darisaw will be hard to pass, and I don't think Slater falls past 13, so I think their next best option is Darisaw as a pure left tackle. If they want to go for guard to replace Dakota Dozer, who's been bad to say the least for the Vikings draft Elijah Vera Tucker Jalen Phillips Quiddy Pay I think are the two top options for the Vikings here at 14 for edge rushers shout could be Christian Barmore interior D-line has not been great and in the division with Aaron Jones with AJ Dillon with DeAndre Swift with David Montgomery getting an interior D-lineman might be smart for the Vikings and getting after quarter the very talented quarterbacks in this division namely Aaron Rodgers, whose off-the-line has been suspect, based with injuries mostly. Maybe getting a Barmore would be smart there for the Vikings, especially since they just lost Corey Lindsay to the aforementioned LA Chargers. So I think it's off-to-tackle or edge rusher. I need to decide which one I think more of as the draft approaches. Patriots, I think they're trading up. I think they're trading up for a quarterback. But if they don't go quarterback, linebacker's an option, Edge rusher's an option, and then wide receiver is a giant option here as well because they have no wide receivers, especially just after Julian Edelman retired or retired and then going to Tampa Bay. I don't know how that situation is all going to work out, but Pagers need help out wide. They did address it somewhat in free agency. You got Nelson Aguilar and Bourne in this offseason. They also got Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, the two tight ends, two top tight ends in the free agency market this year. Devontae Smith, if he starts to slide, makes a lot of sense for the New England Patriots. I've heard he might slide a little bit in this draft, but I think they're training up for a quarterback. That's what my gut tells me. I think they like a couple of quarterbacks in this draft. I think they like the three guys that will be available past number three, or past number two, I should say. Mac Jones, Dustin Fields, Trey Lance. I think they like all of them. So all of them could be options here. Just depends on whether or not the Falcons trade up or don't draft a quarterback to see how far they need to trade up in the draft. 16 Cardinals, from what I've heard, uh, they're looking at offense. 
So I th- I've also I've heard a lot recently that they're going to try and trade up for a wide receiver. I've seen that on multiple occasions this past couple days of them possibly trading up for a wide receiver, another weapon. They're trying to build some sort of a fortress around Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury being a very offensive-minded coach and not a defensive-minded guy at all. Look at his numbers at Texas A&M. Look how good his offense was. And look at their record because they can't play defense. Now, they have gotten some good pieces on defense. They already had Chandler Jones there. They just got J.J. Watt. Just brought in Malcolm Butler, even though they lost Patrick Peterson. They have pieces. And hopefully, Isaiah Simmons, he didn't play bad last year. I'm not going to say he played bad, but plays very good. I don't know how I want to feel about that because he didn't play bad. I don't know why. But they're probably going to go after offense. I think Elijah Vera Tucker could be a shout here as well. The offensive guard from USC to help protect Kyler even more. But just looking how they're building their roster with Larry Fitzgerald expected to retire, I would not be shocked if they moved for a wide receiver. I think Jalen Waddle would be an ideal wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals offense. They got AJ Green, DeAndre Hopkins, and then Jalen Waddle. Good lord, they just signed James Conner as well. I also heard rumblings they could draft a running back, so maybe Najee Harris or Travis Etienne could fit there too. Time will tell. Raiders, I think they need to draft an offensive lineman. They traded and cut everybody. They cut three or cut and traded three stars in the offensive line. They need help on the O line. I also think the Raiders could draft a linebacker or an edge rusher. I think more so with the linebacker spot. And I think if the big offensive linemen are gone, so let's just say in a hypothetical scenario, the Bengals draft Sewell, the Panthers draft Slater, the Chargers draft Darisaw, the Cardinals draft Farrah Tucker. So all your big offensive linemen are gone. Like the top guys. You could draft Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, who I think is the next best off to lineman there. Or you could go with a guy like Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa, the linebacker for Notre Dame, a kind of a Swiss Army knife, which is someone I think Gus Bradley would have a lot of fun with on defense. I think Christian Barmore could be a shout here as well. But it's either going to be off to line or linebacker. Defense, off to line or linebacker is what I'm leaning right now for the Raiders. I could see them drafting a Jamin Davis, linebacker from Kentucky, Seeing a little bit of a reach, but that's what the Raiders have done over these past few drafts. Drafted Cleveland Farrell fourth overall, Damon Arnett 19th overall. So they've reached before. This would not be the last time, first or last time they reach. Jamin Davis could be a shout here. Dolphins, I think either off to lineman or edge rusher or linebacker. Because again, like I said with the first one, they have a little bit of a need on O-line. They're a young off the line, so maybe you want to address the interior O-line, so you might want to wait till the later rounds to do that because there's some good interior O-linemen that could be taken later in the draft. But for the other positions, most notably on defense, edge rusher, and linebacker, I think Brian Flores would love to lead the first round with at least one defensive starter or one key player on defense, whether it be a Quiddy Pay, Aziz Ojolari, Jalen Phillips, Jeremiah Wosu, Koromoa. I think it's going to be between those guys. And I think that's what they'll do with this pick. Go something on defense with the 18th pick. 19, I think it's a linebacker and off to lineman. Unless they trade up for a quarterback, I think it's between Jeremiah Wosu, Koromoa, Jamin Davis, Zaven Collins, and Christian Derrissaw. I think those are options here. If Derrissaw's gone, they're taking the linebacker and not looking back. If he's there, they'll have to think about it for a little bit, and I'm not sure which one they would do rather over the other. They could fully replace Trent Williams, so they traded the San Francisco 49ers for pretty much nothing. So maybe they drafted Darius, a hometown kid, 
probably grew up a Washington Redskins fan when they were called that. That would give them an option here, and then you could, or if the, I don't know, linebackers are not, there's got some options here. And I think Ron Rivera would like a guy, like a Swiss Army knife, like what he had with Shaq Thompson in Carolina. Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa and Zayvon Collins would provide that. I think those are two very viable options. I think safety's a shout here with Trayvon Morig, but I don't know if there will be any safeties drafted in this first round. That I don't know if there will be. That's usually that's the trend we've been leaning on so far recently. So I we might see another draft where we don't have any safeties go in the first round. If we did, it'd be Morig. I don't know where. Probably somewhere from 17 to the Raiders all the way down to 32 to the Buccaneers. He's got a range of 17 to 32, in my opinion. 20 the Bears. I think they should go off to lineman or corner. I have seen wide receiver quite a bit, which makes a lot, which could make a lot of sense. They're trading or open to trading Anthony Miller, so we could see what that situation unfolds. If they draft a wide receiver, that means he's good as gone. Time will tell on that. But I think it's between off the line and corner for the Bears. They just cut Kyle Fuller. Their off the line has been suspect in the recent years, to say the least. I think most Bears fans would say the problem in their offense wasn't Trubisky. It was their offensive line. I, I would bet most Bears fans, at least logical Bears fans, would say that. Their offensive line has been in the bottom half of the league for the past however many years, and they need some help there. So if Darisaw becomes available, I think you could see Tevin Jenkins going there too. But if not, cornerback, either Greg Newsome keeping him in that area, or Caleb Farley would be very smart picks for the Bears. I've seen edge rusher here a little bit as well, but I think those are the main guys. I think it's either Darisaw, Newsome or Farley. That's where I'm leading right now if I'm if I'm the Bears. Colts, it's edge rusher or tackle. Just depends on who's available, really. I'm leaning towards edge rusher, as I have been in the last few mock drafts. I've done it with the Colts taking an edge rusher. I just think that they're, they're thinking very hard about moving Quentin Nelson to left tackle. So maybe they look at that and go, we could draft a guard in the later rounds. There's some good guards that we could get in the second and third rounds that I've talked about before. There's some decent tackles also that you could get a little bit later. The edge rushers, you might want to take one in the first round. You don't know. There's some good ones. There's a decent, this is a good edge rusher class. Not saying anything bad about it. There's just not that premier guy. I think Jalen Phillips would be that guy if he wasn't, you know, if he didn't retire two years ago. But, man, I think this, I think the Colts should probably lean towards edge rusher here. In a division that has some very talented and very mobile quarterbacks, whoever you throw out there, Tannehill, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun, if not him, Tyrod Taylor's there too. You got some mobile quarterbacks to worry about. I would look at that. Edge rusher-wise, there's no real big threats that I can think of off the top of my head. Titans defense stinks. Jaguars defense stinks. Je- uh, the Texans just got rid of J.J. Watt. So you might be able to be fine address the off the line in the second round. But if Darisaw's available... I think that's the off the lineman they would take if he's available here at 21. But I just I don't know if he'd fall past the Bears at 20. 22, corner wide receiver. They lost their three of their top five leading receivers from last season. So I think receiver would be a giant shout here. But corners, that's a they cut both corners from last season. Their defense sucked. So logically, you would go, okay, Titans need a corner. Titans would draft a corner here. I think Mike Vrabel is a former defensive coordinator and a former linebacker would love to improve his defense, especially with how bad they were. Even though it'd be tempting to draft in Elijah Moore, Kadarius Toney, 
I think you draft the cornerback here, whichever one you think is best, Farley or Newsom or just draft whichever one's available. 23, the Jets, edge rusher, corner, tackle. They drafted Mekhi Becton last year at left tackle. Tevin Jenkins, if he's here, would be very hard be very hard to pass on for the Jets. A natural right tackle that's very good in pass blocking, also very good in run blocking as well. It'd be very hard to pass on Tevin Jenkins. They have two very imposing tackles on your offense. That set Zach Wilson up with a lot more than what Sam Darnold was set up with when he first got to the New Jersey. Corner and edge rusher, they just need to improve their defense. With Robert Solid there, I could totally see where they'd want to address the defense as a former defensive coordinator and seeing how the defense led the 49ers essentially to the Super Bowl a few years ago. I think he'd love to address the defense, but if a guy like Tevin Jenkins is there, it'd be hard to pass up a guy like that. But corner and edge rusher, those are two very big options there. Jeez. 24, Steelers. It's running back or off to lineman. I don't care which one. Well, running back, I think it'll be Najee Harris. He just feels like a Steelers player to me. But off to line, I think it could be Tevin Jenkins. It could be Jalen Mayfield. It could be Leon Eichenberg. It could be Sam Cosme. It could be Landon Dickerson. Their offensive line needs some help, but I think they're actually looking at a running back in round one, and Najee Harris just fits that Steelers mold at running back. A bigger running back that could do a lot of things for the offense. The most recent one was Le'Veon Bell. They're built the sim- very similar, Le'Veon Bell and Najee Harris. And I, yeah, like 6'2", 230, can catch the ball in the backfield. I think they'd love that. And with Big Ben being 38 or 39 years old, Love to have a running back he could check down to and also take a lot of pressure out of the offense with how big he is running the ball. I think the Steelers would really like to have a guy like that. Jaguars, I think it's either safety or wide receiver. I think Kadarius Toney or Elijah Moore would be very fun for Urban Meyer to play with on offense. Give Trevor Lawrence another weapon. They just got Marvin Jones this offseason from Detroit. I think getting a guy like Kadarius Toney or Elijah Moore who can do a lot of things for the offense, we'll throw Rondell Moore into that too. That could do a lot of things for the offense, not just at wide receiver. Can play running back, can come in motion, can even play some quarterback and wildcat stuff. Can return. Like There's multifaceted players that I think Urban Meyer would love to have in Jacksonville. He had that in Percy Harvin. He had that in Teddy, um, Braxton Miller to a certain extent. I think he'd love to have a guy like that there. But Trayvon Morig makes a ton of sense there too. Jaguars defense is still improving. It's a very young defense. The past few years, they've addressed the defense heavily. Josh Allen, linebacker from Kentucky. Clavon Chison from LSU. C.J. Henderson from Florida. They're trying to address the defense. More SEC-oriented that I'm just figuring that out now. Kentucky, Florida, and LSU. Didn't realize that. Morig would fit that, not necessarily the, L- the SEC thing, but as a young defender to help bring them back to that team that got them to the AFC Championship game. The Saxonville defense. Uh, the Browns at 26, I mean, interior defensive lineman makes sense, but if Barmore's gone, they're not taking a defensive lineman at 26. So it's between linebacker and edge rusher. They brought in Jadavian Clowney this offseason on a one-year deal, but he hasn't done a lot in recent years. So it might be smart for the Je- the Browns to look at one of the edge rushers in this draft, but their linebacking core has not been great over the past few seasons. So I would not be shocked if the Browns Went somewhere in that direction with a Jamin Davis. Jeremiah Wosu-Koromo, even though I don't think he'll be available, could be an option there. Zayvon Collins could be an option there. 
So I think those are your two main options here for the Browns. They're going defense. I think we can all agree on that. The Browns are going defense. Whether it's linebacker or an edge rusher, that's where they're going on, on their team. Ravens, edge rusher, wide receiver. I think Rashad Bateman makes a lot of sense for the Ravens as he was a as he improved as a run blocker last season with Muhammad Ibrahim dominating for Minnesota and their pass game with Tanner Morgan being pretty much irrelevant last season. His improvement blocking in the run game could be huge for the Ravens, who obviously are a very run-oriented team and would fit that mold, would offer the Ravens something different where Marquise Brown and Sammy Watkins are burners. Bateman's really not that, even though he's a faster wide receiver, as he ran, what, a 4-3-9-40, which is still very fast. But he'd offer something different, be that really good blocker the Ravens could have on outside. But edge rusher, I think that's a more pressing need, because this is an insanely deep wide receiver class. And edge rusher, you lost both your guys, Yannick Ngakwe and Matthew Judon. You gotta replace one of them, or you gotta try. (laughs) And I think... Looking at the Ravens, what they do in the draft, I think edge rusher would be the more likely position out of the two. I think if Marquise Brown could stay healthy, he'd be a very good wide receiver, but he just can't stay healthy, and he can't find consistency either in his play. So I would probably go edge rusher if I'm the Ravens, but either one I would be I could totally see them do an edge rusher or wide receiver there at 27 Saints. Uh, linebacker, corner, wide receiver, or sneaky quarterback. They're going to need some help. They have, I think, four draft picks. The Marshawn Lattimore is in a really weird situation right now. So they have, with if Marshawn Lattimore's situation doesn't get sorted, they have two corners on the roster. With Marshawn Lattimore, that adds three. Obviously, you know how to do math. At least I hope you do. So corners, an obvious shout here. Linebacker, they're getting a little older. Safety, they could use some help there. They're getting a little older. Malcolm Jenkins can't play forever. Quarterback, Kyle Trask, I've heard they really like, but would like to get him in the later rounds. So we'll see if that happens or if they feel they can't get him later, take him in round one. Or Davis Mills, who can develop for one year behind Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, and then take the job over the next year. Because I think Jameis is on a one-year deal for the New Orleans Saints. But I think corner's the biggest need here for the Saints. But for wide receiver, get a guy... They can replace Emmanuel Sanders. Michael Thomas was hurt a lot last season, so it gives him another option if he becomes injured again. And I think Elijah Moore would really fill that hole for the Saints, or Kadarius Toney would be very nice there. Very similar styles of wide receiver to Emmanuel Sanders. But I think corner is just too big of a hole for the Saints not to address, given their current situation at this point in time. Packers, I think it's between center, Landon Dickerson, linebacker and corner. I don't think they'll draft a wide receiver. They haven't drafted the first round wide receiver. So I think Javon Walker, I could be wrong about that. They might have drafted one a little bit sooner, but I think that's the last one they did. They do not draft wide receivers in the first round. Something they've done for the last 20 odd years. And regardless if Aaron Rodgers is happy or not, that won't change anything. They literally went all last year's draft without drafting a single wide receiver. Now this year's class is deeper than last year's insanely deep class. So they can get away with that this year. And I think they could get a guy like Landon Dickerson to replace Corey Lindsley, big center, six foot six, pretty tall for a center. That would be a nice option for the Packers, who's a great run blocker, great pass blocker, make a lot of people happy in Green Bay. But corner, obviously watching Kevin King in the NFC Championship game, 
it'd be hard for the Packers not to take a corner here. And then linebacker with the situation regarding their linebackers with Christian Kirksey leaving. Got a hole there. They let Chris, uh, Blake Martinez go to New York for pretty much nothing. Now, literally, nothing. He left a free agency. They just let him go. So getting a guy like Zayvon Collins or Damon Davis would be a really big option here. I think it's between those. Linebacker, corner, and interior off the line. For the Bills at pick 30, it's between edge rusher, corner, and running back. The Bills' rushing attack is non-existent. And it just do- it doesn't exist. I think there's a slim chance they could draft an off the lineman, like an interior lineman. Matt Morse, or Mitch Morse, uh, not Matt Morse, Mitch Morse, Bill's center, was the highest paid center in the league before Corey Lindsley signed with the Chargers. Great pass blocker. He is one of the worst statistical run blockers in the NFL. So would the Bills look at a guy like Landon Dickerson here at pick 30? I think he fits what the Bills do, and he fit be a real culture fit with the Buffalo Bills. But do they go off Mitch Morse that soon, who just restructured his contract? Running back, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, I like both of them as people. Zach Moss, I think, deserves more of a chance to be the main guy in Buffalo. But Travis Etienne or Najee Harris, if they're both available here, would be very hard to pass on. I think Travis Etienne would be a very intriguing target because of the similarities and style of play to that of Thurman Thomas, where they could do a lot of things in the offense, not just running the ball, but can split out wide, can come in motion, can do all these things. And Thurman Thomas and the 90s Bills teams that went to four straight Super Bowls really ran the offense. Without Thurman, they weren't doing anything. That was the whole uh, code for the New York Giants when they won the Super Bowl against the Bills. Bill Belichick said, if we stop Thurman Thomas, we stop the offense. Because he was that influential in their offense. I think Travis Etienne could be one of those guys and be a nice one-two punch with Zach Moss. Now, if Najee Harris is available, that would be very hard for them to pass on as they got... I mean, we saw Josh Norman get stiff-armed by Derrick Henry. A dude that's not that much smaller than Derrick Henry coming to Buffalo, especially with the cold weather they have up there, running the ball would be very big for the Bills, and Najee Harris would fill that. Be a big physical runner for the Bills. They got torched by Le'Veon Bell a few years ago, and we already brought up the similarities between Najee Harris and Le'Veon Bell. Not Le'Veon Bell killed the Bills in a snow game in Buffalo a few years ago. It murdered them. Ran for like 200-plus yards or something. I can't remember the exact numbers. But corner, being another guy to partner Tredavious White would be a big option there. An edge rusher, Bills don't really have an edge rush. They have, they're aging. I hope A.J. Epineza plays better. I mean, it was his rookie year. So I, I wasn't expecting a ton. He didn't really get a lot of significant playing time. Got some playing time, but nothing real in crunch time or anything. Jerry Hughes, I think he's 33, 34 years old, so they might want to eventually try to find his replacement. I think the Bills could do a lot of things here. I don't know what they'll do, to be 100% honest with you. When your team, you think you know what they're going to do more often than not, but I really don't know what the Bills are going to do this year. Tough. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do. The Chiefs, from what I've read, is between off to lineman and edge rusher. I think wide receivers a shout here. I think Terrace Marshall could fill a lot of holes for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think he'd be a very nice Sammy Watkins replacement. I think that'd be a very nice fit for the Kansas City Chiefs. But they need tackles. They cut Mitchell Schwartz. They cut Eric Fisher. And I did read that Eric Fisher might come back to the Chiefs. I don't know if that was really true or not, but I've I read that on. I mean, they can't lie on the internet, so. You know, I believe it. <laughs> but love to tackle is a big need. 
Obviously, watching the Super Bowl after Patrick Mahomes got brutalized by the Bucks' pass rush makes sense to draft him off to tackle. Edge rusher, watch again, watching that Super Bowl, how in fact how effective their edge rush was in the Super Bowl. Give Frank Clark a nice little one-two punch. You got Chris Jones in the middle, Frank Clark at one side. Get another edge rusher. Chiefs is looking good. And then the Bucks, they can do anything. They can draft whatever position they want. They signed, re-signed all 22 starters from the Super Bowl team. They could draft a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, off to lineman, D lineman, edge rusher, linebacker, safety, corner. They could do anything. And I wouldn't be shocked by it at all. I think the leading candidates for this spot are Elijah Moore. I think Trayvon Morick could be a shout here at safety. If he's available, just take a value pick there. Very good player. If he becomes available, it makes sense to get him. Any of the edge rushers, Joe Tryon, Ronnie Perkins, Greg Rousseau, uh, who else is who else would be really available by this point? Joseph Asai, Carlos Basham. There, those guys could all be available here. Maybe Zizo Jolari somehow slips that far. Zaven Collins, Jamin Davis, Nick Bolton, those guys could be available here. Kyle Trask, Davis Mills, Kellen Mond, if you want to do something for the quarterback spot. Javante Williams would be a shot at running back. Travis Etienne, Najee Harris. They could do anything. Kadarius Toney, Rondell Moore, Terrace Marshall. I don't know what they're going to do. They could literally do anything with their first-round pick. And that's the excitement of the NFL draft, especially with teams like the Bucks, who brought back everybody. They could do literally anything. And I don't think there'd be a lot of people that'd be too upset with what they do because they don't really have any holes on their roster. They could take a more developmental piece if they really wanted to and feel fine because they've got starters on every position. I think edge rusher and D tackle are two bigger areas of need if we had to point out a couple areas of need. With JPP being 33, and Sue being 34. So you got ages there. They're not ideal. JPP might not be 33 yet, but he's nearing that. And getting an eventual replacement that wouldn't play or start, but they'd get some minutes and learn, and then the next season, if they move on from those two, be a main cog in their defense. And I think that'd be very smart for them. So that's all I've got for you today. But one more thing. Stop posting Patrick Mahomes in a Bears uniform. I'm not even a Bears fan. But I'm getting annoyed by this. It's like, okay, they passed on Patrick Mahomes. Who cares anymore? They don't have Trubisky on their roster. And it's so unwarranted. Like, NFL, Fox Sports NFL tweeted, tag a Bears fan to ruin their day. Sorry, with the laughing, crying face emoji with Patrick Mahomes in a Bears uniform. Who cares? It's over. It happened years ago. Years ago, four years ago. It feels like it's been years ago. But... Move on. They passed on him. Sick. So did nine other teams <laughs> who could have drafted a quarterback. The, the 49ers traded back and still selected Solomon Thomas. Why are we making fun of them for doing it? They went into that year with Brian Hoyer and then drafted C.J. Beathard in the third round. Like, why don't we make fun of them? The Browns traded back from 12 and took Deshaun Kaiser in the second round. Like, why don't we make fun of them? Why is it just... The Chicago Bears that are getting made fun of this. The Browns and 49ers should get made fun of as much, if not more, than those two teams. Man. But now the Browns got a good quarterback in Baker Mayfield. The 49ers are going to look like they have a good quarterback going into this season. So 
I guess it's just more fun to make fun of the Bears. It's just a cool thing to do. But it's getting annoying. I'm I'm really getting tired of seeing it. And I'm not again. I'm not a Bears fan, so it shouldn't really bother me. But it's just so un- it, it's so unwarranted. It didn't pop up on any specific day. I don't know why that they tweeted that. So stupid. I don't I don't know. But that's all I've got for you today. Draft's a week away. I'm super excited. Go watch Mock Draft Minute on YouTube if you haven't already. And that's all I've got for you today. See you guys on Monday. Peace.